0: Hey there, everyone. So do you ever get tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Do you ever get the urge to cut through the world of everyday surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths? Well, then maybe, just maybe, the wisdom of podcast is for you. Because in this podcast, we explore great works of philosophy and literature and art and try to pull out of them what's most invigorating and interesting and inspiring. Whether they come from the works of Plato, or Dostoevsky, or Picasso, here we explore ideas that move mountains and rock the soul. So, come join us, won't you? Come worship at the altar of ideas, and come celebrate the dancing of thought. And, um, don't be afraid of the leaping sparks. As you can be certain of one thing, they will kindle the light inside of you. Welcome to the wisdom of coming up today. Does money bring happiness?
1: In the nineteen nineties, it it really was a great time to be growing up. I know it's uh, it's a completely refreshing and totally unique take to suggest that uh, things were better back when, and today's whatever sure isn't as good. But you know what? Things were better back then, and at least for certain things, today's whatever's don't whatever as hard as our whatever's used to, like movies, for example. Back in the '90s, there was a there was a veritable plethora of honest to goodness adult movies, and no, I do not mean uh, porno. I miss the O in porno, but that's neither here nor there. There was just challenging, creative, thought provoking movies. Movies that many, not just uh, an alarmingly sexless subset, a lot of young people, many of them, would go out and see. And they would aspire to maybe even understand them. I think I've said it before, but it does bear repeating. I miss a time when young people tried to wrap their minds around art that was that was meant for older people, rather than middle aged men nitpicking things that had always been meant for for kids. Don't get me wrong. I like, uh, I like wars amongst the stars and I like, uh, walking, talking, wall crawling affronts to God's holy plan, the, uh, the man spider as much as anybody. Which complete sidebar again. I've been told that in Norway he's called, uh, Edderkopen, uh, spider friend. Imagine the villain saying, like, uh, curse you, spider friend and your ally, iron buddy. But again, that whole rant is a, is a toxic remnant of being exposed to, you know, modern cinema. It really comes down to there just has to be some kind of rebalancing, I think. In the 90s, we had wild, crazy filmmakers uh, tackling some out there, sometimes troubling themes and before somebody on the interweb either yells out, there'd be great movies out there, you knave. You must merely seek and thou shall find. I know, I know. But these films used to be, used to be at the fore. They were in the cultural zeitgeist, not some uh, hidden secret that was uh, away from society, tucked in some sort of deep, dark corner. And I was thinking about uh, one of those directors from the 90s, a, a guy named Todd Salons. He would focus on topics that, uh, if we actually made any money on this podcast here, would get us demonetized if I simply brought them up. And since I think today's theme, I was looking at the memo earlier, is it that money is like super awesome, I won't bring up those topics. But boy, oh boy, he did. And so I was thinking to myself, maybe I should uh, check out some of his work again. So I looked to the nine streaming sites that I'm subscribed to, and I couldn't find the movie I was looking for. I even went to the Apple thing, the iTunes store, you know, to uh, rent or even buy a digital copy. But it turns out you cannot buy happiness. So what would a so-called philosopher make of that? Okay, well, that took a while.
0: But nice segue for once. I finally get a bridge to walk across but you in the 90s man get over it okay well so i hope you're all doing well and um thanks for listening oh and uh as i mentioned before i'm running a little uh youtube experiment we'll see how long it lasts but i've started posting videos there on some of the content that we explore in this podcast so if you're interested it's called philosophy with a view. Anyway, let's get to the topic at hand. Okay, well, so before I say something specifically about the connection between money and happiness, I think it's important to at least mention, if it's not already obvious, that the idea or concept of happiness is not an easy one to pin down. I mean, what the heck is happiness exactly? That's a a difficult question to answer certainly from the point of view of thinking about it philosophically. Well, I think that realizing this, what psychologists and um, sociologists tend to do is they tend to avoid the the difficult problem of defining happiness, and instead they they work with something they call subjective well-being. And um, this, they argue, is supposed to be a little more straightforward and measurable. So, what is it? Well, essentially, subjective well-being reflects an overall evaluation of the quality of a person's life from his or her own perspective. In other words, it comes from their their own self-report about their feelings and their life. Now, again, it's pretty clear that this definition is uh, not without its problems. I mean, for example... Should should well-being be understood as something more objective rather than subjective? And um, can people deceive themselves about their own well-being? And uh, do those asked about their well-being submit honest answers? And how about the context and the time in which questions are asked? Do they influence outcome? Anyway, you get the idea. Though they are improving... Studies on happiness are definitely not an exact science. That said, let's leave these issues and just go with things as they are. That's to say, let's just go along with happiness as something like subjective well-being. Okay, so then what is the connection between money and happiness? Is it actually true that that money brings happiness? Well, let's start with some um, established data. First of all, it's not surprising to discover that people who are living in poverty, who who can't pay for food and and shelter, they report substantially less well-being or happiness than those who don't struggle with those things. Again, that's no surprise. Money increases happiness dramatically by moving people out of poverty. But, um, here's the thing. It turns out that once you're freed from from struggling to attain your your basic needs and, um, let's say, live a moderate middle-class lifestyle, then the relationship between money and happiness becomes significantly smaller. So the findings show that the, the wealthy are happier than the middle class, but only by a very, very small margin. So it's interesting, right? What this shows is that being rich or wealthy itself has very little effect on happiness. Now, the question is, why? You'd think that if you could spend to your heart's delight and possess all this stuff, then you'd be not just a little, but significantly happier than someone who had to, um, limit themselves. Well, no. What studies which measure happiness or subjective well-being reveal here is that there's a a critical threshold with respect to to money made after which the level of happiness falls. In other words, the more money one makes after a a certain modest point, there seems to be diminishing returns with respect to reported happiness. Now, again, why is this? Well, part of the answer is what's come to be known as the, the hedonic or Pleasure treadmill. That's to say, the more we buy and the more we have, the more we want, and this doesn't end. We buy larger homes and larger cars and larger TV screens and more gadgets, but soon these things become very normal to us. In other words, we adapt to them and so we take them for granted. And because of this, we very soon do not feel any happier or more satisfied than we did before we had them. Actually, this is partly why we we see this paradox today, which is uh, sometimes referred to as the paradox of economic progress. The paradox of economic progress is that average incomes in the Western democratic world have more than doubled over the last 50 years But yet, levels of reported happiness have virtually stayed the same. Not to mention that uh, depression has actually become much more common. So, there's a clear failure of increased wealth to improve our well-being. And again, one very important explanation for this is this uh, treadmill phenomenon, which is that we rapidly and inevitably adapt to new material goods by taking them for granted, and so because of this, soon want something new again, thereby never really reaching any sort of satisfaction terminus. And, um, by the way, I should mention something else here. Something else that explains why it is being wealthy doesn't really increase happiness. It has to do with our desire for status. That's to say, it doesn't matter how rich we are. It turns out that most of us are, are constantly comparing ourselves to others who are richer or who have more than we do. We're um, constantly trying to surpass them. Or, on the other hand, we make sure to uh, display ourselves as having more than those who have less. The point is, is that it's often not wealth per se but it's the perception of prestige and status that matters most to us. In fact, you know, they did a really interesting study on this. When they asked a a large group whether they would prefer a salary of uh, $50,000 when others earned $25,000, or an income of $100,000 when others earned $200,000, they chose the $50,000. So. They chose half of what they could have earned, and they did it because they'd rather have lower money over lower status. Relative wealth seems to matter more to our happiness than absolute income. So we see how much things like jealousy and snobbery and prestige and pride play a role in all of this ultimately it's hard to avoid what's what's so obvious here namely what so many of us do is we attach our self-esteem to our social status it's um it's no wonder wealth so often manifests itself in a uh, in rampant conspicuous consumption you know um big colorful shiny things look at me look at me anything to signal our status anything to announce our our personal significance. Yet, here's the problem. At the end of the day, this doesn't make us any happier. It doesn't make us any happier because what we're ultimately driven by is a kind of status anxiety. We're we're rooting our well-being in standards and comparisons which are constantly shifting. In this way, we put our happiness and peace of mind at constant risk well so if money or wealth has a uh, surprisingly low correlation with happiness levels then what's the answer how do we achieve or at least start to move towards a genuine and a durable happiness well of course there are um several variables at play but um by and large It's not that hard to figure out. It's this. It's pretty much to, to not eliminate, but to move away from materialistic value outlooks. Ones that focus on things like like money, and possessions, and status, and social image. It's to move away from external rewards. And instead, it's to focus in on the, the intrinsic value of things. It's to pursue things without looking to the reward or the consequences. It's pursuing personal growth. It's to uh, cultivate your soul, as uh, Socrates would say. It's to be passionate about what you do and to take pride in it. It's to make your work something like a uh, religious calling or vocation rather than a, a job or a career. It's fostering actual intimate relationships, ones that aren't defined by extrinsic motivation. It's a trying to help others and to make the world a little better than it was before we were around. And um, by the way, that might mean living frugally, despite the fact that you may have a lot of money. That's to say, it might mean living below your means simply because you care not only about investing in the future of your family, but about your ecological footprint and the world at large. The bottom line is, is something that most of the great wisdom seekers have always known. It's this. It's that the things that make up happiness are not the sorts of things that require too much money. You know, surprise, surprise. Things like family and friendship and faith, and personal freedom, and satisfaction in one's work. To, um, to chase and accumulate the plethora of fancy goods beyond these, not only does it fail to bring genuine and long-term fulfillment and peace of mind, but it invites all sorts of turbulence in its wake. And you know, speaking of things like uh, relationships and the sorts of things that don't require money, I want to say one last thing here. It's this. It's that to introduce money into the sorts of things that have, by their very nature, little to do with money, like relationships and other things I mentioned, is to end up actually distorting or corrupting their value, which in turn cheapens our experience of them. And as a result of this, brings us far less a sense of genuine satisfaction or contentment. I mean, let's be honest, what does an expensive diamond ring have to do with love exactly? If you're paying for it, it isn't love. And if it isn't love, then you're not going to get the same sense of fulfillment from this degraded form of it as you would from the real thing. I guess what I'm trying to say is that when money seeps into the infrangible realm of the sacred, it poisons it and so eventually makes us far less happy than we would have otherwise been. I mean, uh, just ask King Midas, whose uh, greedy touch turned everything into gold, including his poor daughter.
1: Listening to The Wisdom of Podcast.
0: If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. And as usual, we love to read your questions and comments. Reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on Twitter at wisdom underscore pod.